I'm just wondering if you want to switch it. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Spotlight. I am your host, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California, and this is episode number 271. And I am joined by my wonderful co-host, the one and only Jen. How you doing, Jen? Hey, I'm doing awesome. Thank you very much. I'm sort of looking forward to this. Everybody got <laughs> Kleenex? Hope so. Yes, I got my Kleenex ready to go. Um, also joining us, once again, the birthday girl, Grayson. How you doing, Gray? I'm doing awesome. How you doing? I'm doing amazing. So glad that you are here to join us and to hear your list. And we'll get into what the list is in a minute. But uh, thank you for joining us. Oh, you're very welcome. It's been a while. Yes, it has. And joining us, it is the one and only Joshua. How you doing? Hi. I'm doing well. How are you? Fine. You know, Joshua is one of those innocent sounding names. Like, you know, it can be like a, a mischievous person named Joshua. It seems like Joshua is well behaved. Is that true for you? Uh, yes, it is absolutely true. I follow every rule and procedure to the letter and to the spirit of the law, and I never stray from uh, any rules. No shenanigans here. <laughs> Look, that, that is totally a gigantic, mm. enormous lie. Because <laughs> I... No, he did say spirit, but he didn't say which one. I... <laughs> no, I mean that Joshua is a peaceful name because I thought when I named my kid Joshua that I would have a very peaceful little boy that grew up. And I ended up with Damien Hellspawn. So <laughs> I'm thinking that the name doesn't mean what you think the name means. Well, I, I think I heard somewhere that it actually means weapon of God. <laughs> oh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> well, oh, okay. Well, it's our Joshua on the show. He's the uh, the Saint Leo. So, <laughs> Yo Joshua is a uh, Damien. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so tonight we are um, talking about the top ten tear jerkers. These are movies that make you cry mm -hmm. because they're sad or emotional, not because they suck so bad that it made you cry because you you wasted your time and money so please nobody have those no that would have been yeah that's a yeah. different list <laughs> uh hold on i need to change something real quick <laughs> and right. no more halloween three okay uh you know what you know what <laughs> i will i will hold on to that movie one of the great horror classics of all time thank you so just because you don't know great movies doesn't mean it, okay? I'd, I'd challenge you on that accusation, but looking at my list, you might have a point. <laughs> All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to start with number 10, and we'll just work around the room. Everybody do their number 10, and we'll work all the way up to number one. So uh, we'll change the order around. We'll start off, of course, with Jen. She gets the first up to bat. So, Jen, what is your number 10? My number 10 is uh, Les Miserables, uh, and that is the, the the recent adaptation of the Broadway musical with Hugh Jackman. And, uh, yeah, that I can't watch that movie without crying. 
I just can't. Uh, and I mean, the title sort of says it all. It is the miserable. The miserable. So, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's no wonder. But it, I mean, it's really sad. The whole movie is really sad. I mean, nothing. Well, I can't say nothing good happens, but everything that's good turns into something that's bad. So, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a movie you definitely need to see, right? Uh, uh, for sure. And I mean, the way that, you want to cry, that is the movie that I picked to cry. Oh, wow. Yep. All right. Uh, Joshua, what's your number 10? Uh, my number 10 is 1991's My Girl. My Girl. Great Ooh, movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was just something about one seeing Dan Aykroyd, and well, I thought it was going to be a laugh out loud comedy when I saw Dan Aykroyd attached, but no, that was not the case. <laughs> I was uh, I was just a kid at the time, so seeing someone, uh, kids my own age, you know, reflecting on the screen, and then have such awful things happen, as, especially to close out uh, the movie. It to this day, I can't maintain a dry eye while uh, watching. Uh, the ending it gets me every time, and that movie was controversial too at the time. Because, was it? Yeah, it was. One was it was a very different movie from Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. and uh, there was remember they were kissing in the movie, and they made that such a big deal about the kids kissing. Oh, they had a kiss, right? Yeah. But, I mean, but at the time though, it was like, <gasps> and then also you know the subject matter was pretty, you know, serious subject matter, so. Uh, the movie, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, was a hit, bona fide hit, but it was also, um, it was, I remember at the time, it was, it was uh, controversial. Yeah, my girl. Man, if they thought that was weird, they should have seen The Good Son. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah that's good. Anytime uh, kids die in a movie, it's, it's, it's like it increases the sad factor by about, you know, at least 10. Mm -hmm. Well, then don't watch. Um, Halloween three. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's that for another reason. Uh, no, this is not beat up on Halloween three night. Okay, that was last week. <laughs> Did a pretty good job too. Uh, okay, so Grayson, what's your number ten? My number ten is Schindler's List. Yeah. You cannot watch that movie without like, you have to be made of stone if you cannot cry at this movie, especially also that last ending scene with all of them and the rocks. Oh my God. And it's like with the, and you know, the whole entire story, it was like, Oh my gosh. You know, I, it's like, again, I was like one little puddle of mush. And uh, you know, that brilliant scene with the, the color and the girl. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. a great movie. It's a great movie. Um, I've seen a lot of Holocaust films, but I would say Schindler's List is, Probably the best that I've seen, uh, except for one of my other picks. Yes, <laughs> you ever see that one? <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, yeah, but anyway, yes. no, that's a good. That's good. You can't go wrong with Schindler's List. It's definitely not a. It's not a, a rom com or anything like that. It definitely. It almost made my list. Yeah, yeah, I thought about it too. All right, my number ten movie is The Elephant Man. Um, the elephant is the tragic story <laughs> of this guy who had um, this real, um, how do you describe it? Like his, his face and his body was, was ravaged 
with this uh, horrible disease, and he looked very, very disgusting um, to the eye. And it's a true story, and it's played by John Hurt, and also a very young Anthony Hopkins is in it, and it's directed by one of my favorite directors, David Lynch. Uh, it's not very, uh, it's not a very Lynchian movie if you put it up against some of his other films, but um, it's a very good film. It's also made another list of mine mm -hmm. called movies that were great, but you only want to see it once. Like, I don't think I could sit through the elephant man again. Cause it's just, just this sad, sad movie. Yeah. It was. But, uh, it was, but it was an excellent film. So the elephant man is number 10. All right. So uh, moving up to number nine, uh, we'll go back to you, Grayson. Number nine. Philadelphia. That movie with Tom Hanks. It's like I defy somebody to cry, not to cry through that one. Yeah. Um, it, it made my list as well. I, I won't say where, but yeah. That's a very sad movie. And it was, it was when you first really started taking Tom Hanks was like, oh man, this guy is really a great actor. You know, that was the first so, yeah. yeah. You know, him, Denzel Washington, the whole play against the two, oh my God, it was just so good. And it's like, and you know, watching him get more and more emaciated and then like the a very early Antonio Banderas performance, it was like, oh my God. Yeah, it's like, no, that movie just is like, tears through the whole thing and the fact is is they you know it's so reflective of today i, I remember tom hanks they asked him who was uh, his sexiest uh, um some of his sexiest uh um love and interest in movies and i believe he's he cited uh antonio banderas as one of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah that's a good one yeah uh, what about you, Jen? What's your number nine? Uh, mine is The Killing Fields. Mm, yes. I, I, I actually um, I actually saw that movie when I was really young, probably too young to even understand what it was all about. But I had the, the sad misfortune of watching it again. And as an adult, it was, I think, even more devastated than I, uh, devastating than I understood it to be when I was younger. And I remember being really sad when I was younger and I saw it. Um, but as an adult, oh my gosh, it's it, it's not just everything that happens in terms of you know the 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 backdrop of it because the Khmer Rouge was just a terrible terrible time in history. But there is something so personal about Dan's death. It is just it's just so heavy. It, and also, I think because the entire movie, you, you sort of begin to understand pretty early on that this is. Uh, that nothing good is going to come of this. Yeah, no, the killing feels good one. I thought you said when you when you said uh, um, you were giving your own personal thing. I thought you were going to say you were there at the killing fields or something. <laughs> no, thank God, uh, I'm not. First of all, I'm not that old, and secondly, <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, no, I, I was. Well. <laughs> all right. Um, I'll do uh, my number nine is Million Dollar Baby. Uh, once again, that's another yeah. one that made my other list of movies that were great that you don't want to see again. Million Dollar Baby is just one of these movies where 
the first half of the movie, you're like cheering along, you know, it's like a Rocky type thing, you know, and you're just like, oh man. And then you've heard, like I heard before going into it that it's this sad movie or whatever, but it, you know, I'm like, this is really uplifting. What are you talking about? It's such a great movie. And then, then the twist happens midway through the movie and you're like, and it becomes this sad freaking film where you wanted to be euthanized when you're watching it. <laughs> I mean, it's just so sad what happens. And um, to, uh, I mean, I guess I, I mean, I can spoil it, right? <laughs> you, um, and you know, yes. You know, this is a trick, of all the people that Clint Eastwood has killed on on screen in Million Dollar Baby, he got the most flack for uh, killing somebody in the movie. So, uh, but um, uh, it's a great movie, and I, and um, but it's very sad, and I don't think I could, I don't think I could watch that one again. But, but it's a really good movie, Million Dollar Baby. So, what about you, Josh? Okay, my number nine. It's um, let's let's just say it doesn't have the profile as uh, all of your number nines, and it's it's actually quite middling when it comes to reviews, but it's uh, it's a movie that really struck a chord with me, and that is P.S. I Love You. Mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, there was just something about I don't know, um, having uh, a husband leave letters from beyond the grave to help you uh, cope with his death, it, it just, it, it, I, it resonated with me for some reason. And uh, just to see her, you know, go through all of this and, and the emotion involved uh, up to and including, you know, meeting somebody new, it, it brings a tear to my eye. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> and uh, the, the soundtrack by Flogging Molly was uh, no slouch either. But P.S. I Love You is my number nine. All right. And you know what, Joshua? P.S. I kind of like you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So number eight. I'll start off with number eight. Um, and uh, it is Who Framed Roger Rabbit? No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> no, it's not that. Uh, it's Philadelphia. Um, once again, much like what Grayson said, uh, terrific performances across the board. Uh, you know, I think that film did a lot for AIDS and HIV awareness. Um, at the time, it still, I mean, even today, it's still kind of a mystery to a certain degree, but at the time, it was really a mystery and mm -hmm. humanized victims of it. Because remember, before that, unless you, unless you were really close to someone that that happened to, I don't know where that's coming from, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, I have no idea. But um, unless you were close to someone that died of HIV, a day died of AIDS, you know, it for it was very it was very disconnected for a lot of people. And that movie did a great job of having you care for this guy. It humanized him, and you know, it was just you know Denzel was amazing. Of course, Tom Hanks, Academy Award first of two, because I think he was nominated three straight with because I think Big was. Year before that, I think, and um, and Forrest right afterwards, Forrest he got it. So he went back to back, even though you know I didn't think he should have got it for Forrest. Uh, I think it should have went to um, 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 damn, who was that that year? 
uh, Pulp Fiction. Uh, I thought uh, the Gimp in Pulp Fiction should have won uh, <laughs> the Oscar for that, but uh, I digress. But no, Philadelphia is my number eight. Um, let's go to Grayson. What's your number eight? Dying Young. That movie with Julia Roberts and right. Campbell Scott. She's taking care of him, and oh my God, it's like you know you you, you gotta love it. It's romantic. It's weepy. It's like it's everything. And I mean, it, your your heart just breaks. It's like you think, oh my goodness, and I'm not gonna spoiler it for any of you who haven't seen the movie in a while and want to see it. But yeah, I'd also put it in one of those movies of you see it. You love it, you cry, and then please don't okay, watch it torture. again. It's too much torture. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw it a long time. Yeah, ago. I think I seen it on the on the um, plane, maybe. So, which it's kind of odd to put that kind of movie on a plane, but um, yeah, definitely. Hey, they could have put a live <laughs> on the plane. Remember, if you ever are um, have to go to cannibalism, start with the ass. <laughs> <laughs> that's yep. the first rule of cannibalism start with the booty first alright Josh what's their number 8 okay um, again I went a little bit of an unexpected route but there's one scene in particular that in this movie that I will ball every time uh, kick ass kick ass really okay kick ass specifically interesting um the big daddy scene where he's calling out all of the um, commands to hit girl as something bad is happening to him. Right. Uh, just so she could live. And uh, that the self-sacrifice of big daddy in that scene played to perfection by Nicholas Cage uh, doing his best Adam West. Um, it, it chokes me up. It, it gets me. You know, so uh, that's why Kick-Ass is my number eight. You know, when I when I saw that movie, I low-key thought of you as, um, in, a, in in somewhat of a way, Nicolas Cage, I could totally see you training your daughters to be superheroes. But they wouldn't be foul-mouthed superheroes. They'd be very... No, they would be, uh, you know, truth, justice, and the humanitarian way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I thought you were going to say the vegetarian. No. <laughs> All right, Jen, what's your number eight? <clears throat> My number eight is a movie that was uh, actually on Netflix. It was made from uh, a different short called Cargo. Mm. <clears throat> it was uh, a spin on a zombie flick, uh, very different from anything that I'd ever seen before. And, you know, contextually... You know how when something really big uh, in your life happens and you remember all of the details around whatever that event was and that's how you sort of know that it was super important? I remember everything from <clears throat> the fork that I used to sit down and have dinner as I watched that movie mm -hmm. to uh, the the specific pillow that was on the couch that I pulled over to cuddle because I was so sad at the end. I, like everything is super. I can remember that entire night from start to finish when I watched that movie. Um, it is. It, it's. It, it's awesome. I have to say that first. It's not just sad to be sad. Like there are some other 
movies on my list, which I feel like, oh my God, they really went out of their way just to be sad. This one though is such an incredible message of hope and there's a beautiful narrative that runs through it. And it's Martin Freeman, Mm. um, who I never expected to sort of be in a role like this. And he just knocked it out of the park. I, I, I won't do any spoilers on this one because I feel like it is so worth watching. It's still on Netflix. It is absolutely gorgeous. It's, uh, it's shot in Australia. It's, it's really worth watching. It's not your average zombie movie. That's, I think that I should say that because it's not like watching the walking dead. It is really an amazing story. So, and it, and it's, it's not super visceral either. You, you, I think you would really like it. Just bring, bring the Kleenex. Though. Interesting. I love uh, Josh and Jen that uh, of course there was going to be a superhero movie on Josh's list and, uh, and uh, not surprising a zombie movie. on. Uh, <laughs> so so what that, that means that there must be a porno movie on mine. <laughs> so, no, hey, it there- is. It There's is. plenty of porn to cry to, but I'm not thinking of <laughs> the same reason. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, Josh. Uh, number seven. Are you- number seven. Okay. My number seven is. Um, <clears throat> it's what dreams may come. Oh yeah. The uh, the Robin Williams uh, movie where his kids die, then he dies, and and he's you know in the afterlife and then you know his wife and he likes he he literally has to travel through hell you know it's just such an amazing movie and the visuals were they were absolutely stunning and the 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 big um the big point uh, the big reason why this is a big uh, tearjerker for me is uh you don't really see the literal uh I would go through hell for this love uh, in in film all that much. Literally going through hell. And that kind of thing, uh, it's admirable. And it, it, think, it just makes me think of something I want in my life. Some, I, I would want someone where I would do that. Or, or I, wouldn't want, I, wouldn't want, I would want someone in my life that would do that for me. That kind of thing. And um, that's why What Dreams May Come is my number seven. I've actually gone through hell because of uh, some women. So uh, does that count? There's <laughs> literally going through hell. Yes. Uh, because <laughs> of the chick you're involved with. I've been to Georgia. Does that count? Yeah, it does. Okay. So I've done it. Never mind. <laughs> uh, Jen, what's your number seven? Number seven is um, a little movie that hopefully everybody knows called Days of Heaven. Mm. Have you ever seen Days of Heaven? No, no, no. I thought you were going to say Days and Confused. Oh, okay. Uh, oh boy. Wow. Okay. I don't know even where to begin with Days of Heaven other than to say if you haven't seen it, it, it you should stop what you're doing after the podcast and go watch this movie. Um, it's, it's the kind of, it's, 
it's weird because the um, because when you think about it, what happens throughout the movie, and I won't spoil too much of it, but what happens throughout the movie is sort of a, a tale of just absolute loss and and in some ways just really deep desolation but it is set the movie itself is set with the most idyllic unbelievable film backdrops of all time i mean it's just absolutely gorgeous to see and there is such a juxtaposition between what you see on the screen and what the characters are sort of feeling and what emotions they evoke that it that it's it, that it almost makes the the pain more poignant uh, it's just it's an absolutely beautiful movie it actually has uh, a really young richard gear in it um mm. and it has sam shepherd in it um it has uh linda mance in it it's really it's just aside from the cast it's just a such a well-written movie you, i think you'd really like it but this it's very very sad this is pre-gerbil richard Gere. oh this this is when richard gear was super 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 sexy looking yeah well i didn't know him before or actually i don't know him at all so yeah i can't really tell but it's like I, you know, I really debated over like several of them here at that spot because I mean there's several that really, really make me uh, weep. Everything from Shawshank Redemption made me weep um, to Steel Magnolias. So I probably uh, so, and then I settled on Steel Magnolias. Okay. Yeah, it's like. People dying, people, uh, you know, family, that wholehearted, like, you know, just that deep, the whole entire thing. I, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's one of those ones that it's like you you have to be around your family and just, like, be hugging them all the time. Yeah, that is definitely a very super sad movie. I, I, I actually remember crying a lot in that movie. <laughs> Yeah, and but what an all-star break! I'm not breakout. What an all-star, powerful woman cast that movie had. I mean, it almost made mm -hmm. their suffering like that much more hard to watch because they were just such rocks. Oof. Yes, and like I, and just the relationship. It just made me want to like go. Okay, I just need to, you know. Every time I see it, it's like one of those, you just got to mush up on the sofa with your family and remind yourself that it's like, you know, how important that they are to you and stuff like also, that. Big shout out to that movie for making Daryl Hannah seem like a nerd. <laughs> yes. So my number seven is The Green Mile. Um, Stephen King's yes. movies are known for either making you cry, not because they're sad, but because they're sad, bad. The other word that runs with sad um, at times. And the Green Mile, you know, he should love Frank Darabont. Because Frank Darabont, first of all, he is a, he's one of the best adapters in Hollywood history. And he's taken three of Stephen King's works and really given them even more gravitas than the books. Um, 
you know, Shawshank Redemption is a great book, but the movie is, I'm sorry, the movie is better than the book. And the book, I mean, it's a short story. And it's, I mean, it's good, but he made it into something wonderful. And The Green Mile is another example of, I mean, he's like P. Diddy. Uh, that's Puff Daddy for you uh, guys. Um, he's very known for remixing uh, great songs. Um, mm-hmm. Frank Darabont remixed, uh, you know, Stephen King's work and made it like, you know, like, I mean, before, I don't, I'm trying to think, before Shawshank or The Green Mile, was there a movie that was even thought of from a critical standpoint? Stand like, By Me. Stand By Me was a great, was it a great, yeah. it was a great film, but was it really though a, well, you said was it thought of critically, and I stand by me. Definitely was critically acclaimed. I could remember yeah. that being like later, that like I'm talking about when it came out. Like in hindsight, everyone liked it. When it yeah. came out, it was people talked about it. Yeah, but I mean, like, but but did they talk about it in a way like, like Oscar type? I didn't think. I don't think so. Um, the only other movie would be like Misery for the performance of. Kathy Bates. I can't remember which came first, Green Mile or, or uh, Misery, but I really felt like Misery came first. Many, many years. He, I, I feel like he really elevated Stephen King's work from you know, I'm talking about the film versions of his work. Uh, you know, he had hits obviously before that, but I think mm-hmm. he turned his stuff into high art, if that makes sense. Even the myth, yeah, yeah, is really a silly story. And the movie is silly too, to a certain degree. But with his work with the Mist, it's like it gives it's more weightier and more gravity to it because of what he's done with it. So I mean, didn't didn't start with Carrie as far as the film adaptions being like great? No, but I mean, I'm talking about mm-hmm. but to the point where that still was considered a B movie. I'm 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 I just have to I gotta stop you though because Stand by Me really was I mean it won Golden Globe in two separate categories it also won Best Adapted Screenplay at the at the Oscars like I I know what you're saying right it has actually a- achieved even more gravitas over the past what thirty or so years but mm-hmm. at the time it really was actually critically acclaimed as well. Okay, all right, I'll give you that, but I really do feel like I do feel like he he did I don't think okay. Stand by me. I'll give you that, right? Because it's a great film, and it did get its love, right? But I feel like his movies, with Stephen King's work, took it to another level as far as credit. I mean, yeah, um, I get what you're saying. Also, also, really took it to the next level. Also, if I could interject one more small thing, and that is that whenever Stephen King stories take on the supernatural or when they strip out the supernatural, they seem to do really well. When they add the element of the supernatural, it always seems to flop. And the Green Mile was definitely one of those that didn't. It, it sort of bucked the standard. It really did really well because it treated the source material quite a bit differently. And, and it, so it totally worked. So, yeah, I think you might be onto something. And so just just to, to kind of get in, um, you know, um, Michael Clark Duncan, rest in peace, his performance was so good. Mm-hmm. And the end when he gets executed, man, if you, if you, if you're not human, if you didn't shed a tear or just get, you know, moved by that, because 
and then the way that they greeted him on his way to the execution, you know, and yeah, right. You know, it, it was just a, you know, it, it was a wonderful film and very sad, you know, the way it ended. And one of, I, I think it's one of Tom Hanks' top ten for sure films. Oh yeah, and he's definitely. You know, he's I mean, it's hard to crack his top ten because he has so many. So, but definitely. All right. So uh, I believe Josh, did you do your seven? Um, did I do my seven? Hold on. Yeah, what dreams may come was my seven. Uh, and did Grayson? Did you do your seven? Yes. Okay, and, dying young. <laughs> um, Sorry, uh, and yes. Jen, Jen, you you did. My these days of heaven. Yeah. Okay, so we're on six. Yep. Um. So let's start. Uh, we're gonna start off uh, with Grayson. We'll go around, and I want to welcome Danny and Tony in the chat room. Uh, we are doing our list of our top ten uh, movies that make you cry, tear jerkers, and. Uh, and we Hello, Danny, are Tony. on number six. So, <laughs> Grayson, what's your number six? E.T. <laughs> it's like, you know, that uh, it's that whole uh, thing. It's like, you know, the alien, the whole night. Yeah, it just like it gets me every time. It brings up the child in me, and yet at the same time, I'm buckets of tears. Mm -hmm. I love that alien. Yeah, it was very, very moving. I mean, who would who would have thought that you, a movie about an alien coming down to Earth would, you know, get people? And he's a weird-looking thing, too. Um, you know, especially at the time when aliens in film weren't exactly perceived as friendly. Right. I.e. alien. Right. Yeah. And, re and look what it did for Reese's Pieces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I'd be... It did right. in your mouth, I not in your hands. I became a bigger fan of it after that film. So, yeah. No, no, E.T. definitely a great one. Um, all right. So yeah. uh, what about you, Josh? What's your number six? Um, sorry, I got distracted by the chat for a second. Um, my number six is, and I have to be very specific, because it is the 1992 version of, of Mice and Men. With John Malkovich and Gary Sinise. Oh yeah, I know the story itself is is, is a classic tearjerker, but uh, the the performance that these two guys put in, as well as uh, the direction of Gary Sinise, I, I remember watching it for the first time and getting to the end, and I was like, no, and and just wept and wept like a little baby. Just thinking about the rabbits, it uh, <laughs> got it hit hard, and, and and it almost cracked my top five. But I, I was so confident in my top five, I, I had to leave this in number six. But ninety twos of mice and men is is my number six. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a very good movie, um, and great performance for John Malkovich. It was obviously very different than anything he ever had done up to that point, and I think since possibly. Um, uh, then again, Red, he was kind of similar in Red. <laughs> if you've seen Red, but uh, no, that, that was a good one. Uh, what about you, Jen? What's your number six? Uh, just, just to go along with that, uh, for a while I homeschooled my kid, and uh, Of Mice and Men was on our reading list. And my kid at the end of reading Of Mice and Men came out and slapped my shoulder and said, Why did you make me read that? So, yeah, apparently my kid was pretty upset by that, too. Okay, 
uh mine is okay the, i don't know if you guys have ever heard of this movie before but it, i remember it vividly it's called sounder oh yeah yeah do you know that movie yes. oh my god oh, so Winfield. oh it is so sad um the great paul winfield uh, yeah, you know, I I saw again. This is another movie that I actually saw when I was really small, um, and just wept and wept and wept. And again, had a chance to see this as an adult. And wow, some of the performances are just amazing. And it's it's again, it's just absolutely stunning. The story is just stunning. Um, and uh, you know. I have to say, as sad movies go, this one is, it, this one feels like an important, like Schindler's List, you know, it feels important. Like it's, it's so, so chock full of life lessons that it's hard to walk away from this movie not feeling changed. Yeah. No, great movie. I've actually met Paul Winfield several times. He had a great voice. He was the, uh, he was the narrator of the show City Confidential. Do you guys remember that show? Yeah. Great show, man. Yeah. I, the only thing that pissed, pissed me off about it was he would say, it shouldn't have happened in this town. I'm like, wait a minute, what town should it happen in? <laughs> <laughs> like, geez. But no, uh, great movie, Sounder, yes. Uh, my dad loved that film as well, uh, uh, Sounder. Um, okay, so my number six is Spike Lee's Malcolm X. Um, Spike Lee's Malcolm X, uh, first of all, Despite um, Denzel Washington's performance as Malcolm X is my favorite performance of all time. He is so freaking good. He's like on fire playing Malcolm X in that film. And he, I mean, there's a certain point in that film where he just embodies Malcolm X to the point where they almost become synonymous, right? Like, like you know, and Denzel Washington has done so many great performances in his career, and I believe this is his number one mm -hmm. performance. Unfortunately, he didn't win the Oscar for it. Um, and um, just you know, it was such a great movie. I think it's Spike Lee's greatest movie, and and um, this movie has a lot. It means a lot to me because one is I idolize Malcolm X, and uh, it, you know, and it's you know I've seen it a million times. But there's a there's a scene that I remember. I've, I saw it in the theater like maybe four or five times, and I saw it with my father. My father is like um, I've seen it with him a, a couple times because we would take because it was su such an important film. We would take like like we would go as groups to go see the movie, right? And um, there was a scene, and I remember this to this day. My dad was like, "It's the, it's the strongest person." ever and there's two movies that i've ever seen him get emotional in and the other one's on my list as well i'll tell you what, what it is but i'm sitting in the um i'm sitting in the theater a couple of seats from them and i look over and there's the scene where sam cooks the changes is going to come is playing and you realize that we're getting close to where he gets assassinated and i look over and my dad has tears streaming from his eyes and i like I started getting emotional, you know, and I was like real cynical guy, you know, nothing makes me, you know, I chew glass, that kind of dude. Mm -hmm. And I saw my dad with tears coming down his eyes, like that to this day, like it still sticks in my head that 
you know, because my dad is only, you know, he is not, I just didn't see that a lot. You know, besides, like, you know, someone dying yeah. or something like that, but that he got so emotional about a movie, you know? Um, and that one always gets to me. So, and, you know, that part where he, where he's assassinated is, is, is so moving. And um, so my number six is Spike Lee's Malcolm X. All right, so now we're at the halfway point. And before we get on to uh, our top five, um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about what is what is the draw, you think, of movies that are sad or tearjerkers? Like, why do you think people, why do you think we as consumers go to the cinema to see movies that, do we go to the movies that we know is going to make us sad? Like, even though this is a TV show, I always hear people say, oh, you got to watch This Is Us. You'll, you'll need Kleenex, you know? And it's like, you know, like who wants to cry? Is it, yes, you do. is it that these movies sneak <laughs> up on us, the emotional, or do we go to the cinema to be to cry? See, I think in uh, that sense, what I would say is that we need the emotional release, and we go to these movies to have that emotional release. Because whether it's a romantic cry, whether it's a absolute bawling cry we need it for our heart to be able to release after all of the stresses in our world to just be able to have that and have a nice safe place where it's like you're not judged for crying or being sad or anything like that oh okay what about you jen why do you think um <clears throat> i personally think that human beings are always looking for experiential ways of identifying what is important to them and sadness i think is not sometimes i think we misconstrue sadness right because right. <clears throat> what we understand as being sad is sometimes a, a reaction to something being pulled to us out of joy or the understanding that it's the lack of joy that is there that it, that creates that kind of void but it's so universal and so um above all human that we identify with it and I, you know i have to say that there is a part of me that thinks that there you know being in a safe place to experience these things is a lot like going to uh john wick to see mm -hmm. five billion people getting blown up right i mean nobody actually wants to experience that but in the safety well. of a darkened theater you know it's, it, it sort of gets your adrenaline going and i feel like the same thing happens for us when we experience sadness we get to experience something in the safest possible way while still pulling sort of emotional and narrative context out of it and it gives us contextual clues for the rest of our lives. Like you said with Malcolm X, right? It, it wasn't even just the movie. It was your dad's reaction. Mm -hmm. and, and that contextualized for you how important this was. I mean, we all sort of learn our cues from other people. And on the screen, other people are right in front of us. And we are experiencing in real time things that perhaps I don't want to go experience the Holocaust. But thank you for providing me that window and experience into it so yeah that's kind of what i think yeah um josh you one thing i, I like about you josh mm -hmm. is that you you're you're a dude you're a man's right. man but you're also in touch with your feelings you have how many girls do you have three so uh, three daughters by the way not yes not uh women that he's dating um josh's harem so do you feel like 
have your daughters affected you in any kind of way made you a little softer when it comes to stuff um because that's a lot of feminine energy uh, running around <laughs> so or you know as a father uh period maybe um or were you always like you know open to get emotional when you see things that make you emotional well first of all let me say that asking me that is incredibly sexist <laughs> uh, because you asked me a completely different question than I should did. <laughs> the others, and I find that completely unfair since I spent the last what four minutes figuring out the answer to the first question. <laughs> I'm, no, I want you to answer it too. Okay, so which do you want me to answer first? Uh, all right, you know what? Answer the the first question first. Okay. Why do people? Yeah. <clears throat> Let me. Uh, I believe that uh, in today's society, especially here in the United States, we live in a uh, regressive and sometimes oppressive culture about how we handle our feelings. And it's through things like tearjerker movies where, as some uh, have said before, we find our safe space to have that emotional catharsis and realize not only how we feel about events that we may or may not want to live through ourselves but you know sometimes we will we will actually have to um but uh, it gives it gives like i said a safe space to let it out um and and figure out who we are in relation to these events whether they're you know completely fictional and can never happen or or whether or not someone's actually able to relate to something that happens in the movie. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think these movies will always have an important role in society as a whole, uh, not just, you know, for people that like movies. Okay. And has your daughters uh, softened you up? No. In fact, they hardened me up quite <laughs> uh, emotionally. Um, no, because you have to you have to have thick skin, especially mm -hmm. in the in the world we live in. Mm -hmm. uh, things are not going to be easy, especially, you know, raising uh, three daughters. Uh, they're they're not going to have an easy time mm -hmm. uh, because of you know their gender, right? Um, and and I one point in particular, I shared a Facebook video of. Um, it had all these little kids, you know, everyone like 10 and under, these little girls. They were swearing up a storm, right? Talking about income inequality and things like that. And at the end, they're like, yeah, I bet you're more upset about the swearing than the actual message. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, all my comments were like, how dare you share something with such foul language, you know, with kids? I'm like, yeah, that." missed the whole point right right so if anything I've, I've had to be tougher i've always been the wear my emotions on my sleeve guy but um now i have to actually learn how to bury some things and and be tougher in the moment okay all right and and one last thing i want to um let's talk about the the idea of um movies that make you cry or tearjerkers um do you find yourself that if you could relate to the subject being that, uh, Grayson, you are Jewish, right? 
and um, so mm-hmm. Schindler's List was on your list. So do you feel? Yes. It, do you find that movies that where you can you can relate as far as um, you're Jewish and it was a Holocaust, or let's say if it's a movie about you know something that you've you've experienced yourself, um, do you find like those movies hit you harder? Or are you a person that can sympathize with stuff, even though you may not have gone through it yourself? I actually have a combination of that. It's like there's a lot of movies that when I'm watching it, like, for example, the Holocaust movies, it's like it just hits me like a ton of bricks and going like, oh, my God, you know what my uh, what my grandmother, what my mother, what my family and my biological grandfather, everybody suffered through. In terms of that, it's like I can relate, but yet also the subjects I can't relate on. Um, for example, with uh, a couple of the movies, that, like the Bollywood movies that I've seen, where the characters, it's like I can completely relate to them as well. Um, to me, it's one of those things of if I connect to the, the person as a human being, even if the situation isn't something I've experienced, that connects me mm-hmm. to that emotion of that person and wants to make me do that. It's like watching movies on equal rights, watching movies on like, you know, even you said Malcolm X, it's like, yeah, that one drew me emotionally as well. But for a different reason, it's because I could connect to the feeling of repression. I could connect to the, uh, to the struggle between family and fight. Right. What about you, Jen? Do you find yourself, uh, you, you seem like a very empathic person. Do you find yourself, um, um, are, are you, go? can you go both ways? Like, if do you have to have, have it touch you in a real personal way for you to really connect with it? Or can you connect to something that, you know, maybe you don't have a personal connection to? Listen, uh, sometimes I cry when I turn over uh, the ice cream container and read how many carbs are in it. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I can cry sort of at the drop of a hat. Um, I, actually, I, I think as a writer, I <clears throat> am. I, I'm. I have two very separate places th- that I can occupy. One of them is understanding that uh, that narrative needs to really be evocative and draw out emotion in a way that maybe isn't going to be for everyone. But on the other hand, I I am very sensitive to uh, things make me cry. You know, we just rewatched Hell on Wheels and I cried all the way through the fourth season. I I mean, just like everything was making me cry. And I don't think I'm just hormonal. I feel like this is actually a thing where I, in particular, I really feel very connected to characters. So I, some movies do it for me more than others, but by and large, it's not like any one criteria has to be met for me to feel like I identify. And clearly, you know, a lot of the movies on my list are actually um, historical movies, movies from way back in the past or far back enough in the past that I don't really have an identity to them. And so it, it, it's something else. There's something else that's there. It, like you said, you know, I, I definitely think that I've got some kind of uh, empath thing going. Well, just as to let you guys know, um, I'm about to out something between me and Josh. Um, the last season of Dexter made us both cry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> but did it make you cry because it was so no because it was horrible yes that's what i thought all right and last but not least josh what about you do you need a connection to something um to to make you get uh emotionally involved or can you or if it's something that you don't necessarily have a personal connection with can you feel you know that emotion i i think it's possible to feel a connection with something that i am not personally you know tied to emotionally um you know when it comes to movies it, it's all about how you're drawn in right and the story acting all, all of it um and when something's done well it's it's easy to get lost in in the moments that they're bringing to you so yeah i i don't need any kind of attachment uh personally like if i watch steel magnolias i'm not really you know personally experienced with being a female but i can still cry right 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 fried well, green tomatoes almost <clears throat> some things are are so universal that they i mean why the death of, yeah. of a child, as an example, is incredibly upsetting. But also watching yeah. the death, the like the death of a spouse or the death of somebody who is close to us, those things are they, they sort of defy um, any kind of specific knowledge. We just all feel for how that must be, and mm. you know, yeah. So I think that that's a big one. Like I know some people like the the scene in john wick where the dog gets killed like people, i know so many people mm -hmm. that stopped watching after that because it was just too much for them and wow. i'm like you really missed a great movie <laughs> like you know like don't worry he gets the dog gets revenge like times 10. And so you know like he, he's taking care of okay <laughs> like okay he damn near is doing drive-bys with his ashes in the car <laughs> you know so so uh but uh, all this for a dog right right yeah so but um but it's funny though how that's sad but when you watch jurassic park and the t-rex is eating a goat no one has any sympathy for that poor goat that's getting eaten nobody has any sympathy when the lawyer bites it either <laughs> no not at all they I, laugh I, I, I cried a tear i cried just a single tear for him i did for the lawyer or the goat um for both actually <laughs> that is funny though like they'll say i stopped watching after after the uh dog got killed in john wick but like oh so you saw all the jurassic park oh so when the t-rex eats the goat why didn't you stop watching the goat didn't have he didn't hurt nobody <laughs> he got murdered but but he was food he was food it wasn't a callous act it was just it was, callous. It was no. so callous that he didn't hungry t-rex was just hungry <laughs> He didn't have to do it, but all right. So let's get to our top five. And I'm really excited about this. Uh, we are going to actually, we're going to buck the system. We're going to go guy first. We're going to go Josh. What's your number five? Okay. Uh, my number five. AI. Really? Okay. Yes. You can feel Bert. The, um, the, what was it? The cube Kubrick turned Spielberg story. Right. Uh, about okay, let's just call it what it is it's Pinocchio, right? Um, and the wanting to be wanted, mm. 
all, all the way up until the, the final scene with where he gets the one chance, one time, forever, yep. to have what he wants. And and just that that I don't I don't know what the word is for that, but it it is something that it makes me uh, makes me shed a tear. Uh, several actually. Um, that may, maybe it's and and. If you if you can relate to this, please please chime in. Maybe it's the whole idea that after this point in time, something is going to be gone forever. Kind of like when when you lose a parent, mm-hmm. right? Um, which I I have uh, last year, yeah. And and it took me a while to really relate personally to that part of the story, but I still understood it, right? Because I could see my parents and. I could understand that they won't be around forever. And now I really connect with the whole, you know, if I could just have one more day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and that's, by the way, it wasn't my number five before, but uh, I moved it up during the show. <laughs> and and that, that it is my number five. You know what? I'm so upset with that movie because when it came out, I thought it was about Ellen Iverson. And uh, I was like, because uh, uh, the ladies are probably like, who is Allen Iverson? Uh, that is the real AI, uh, Allen Iverson. Uh, he was a great basketball player for the 76ers. But uh, no, it's a it's a good. And it was also a computer. <laughs> right, right. It's a good movie. Like Grayson's like, who is Allen Iverson? <laughs> he was yeah, a exactly. great player. Uh, do you know who I'm talking about? Dan, you know who I'm talking about. But, uh, okay. but yeah, he was AI. But um, all right. My number five is the film Hotel Rwanda. Oh, wow! That's Ho- devastating. Now, Hotel Rwanda is in, like the subject matter. Just if you just know the subject matter without even seeing the film, it's one of the most horrific, sad stories in human history. And this film, like to be honest with you, I didn't want to see it because that story is so horrific right and i'm like yeah i remember in that moment i was like because i saw it on video first i mean i mean that's the only way i saw it um and i remember saying to myself do i really want to do i like i had to get in the mood to watch it you know what i mean because i knew what it was about Mm -hmm. and that movie first of all kudos to the filmmakers if you haven't seen hotel rwanda even though it's sad material, it's upbeat at times. Like they do a great job of getting you through that where you have moments of you will laugh. You have moments of like this heroic, you know, like heroic uh, measures are, that are done by um, Don Cheadle's character and his family and whatnot. And it's mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's so sad, the story and what the, you know, what they had to go through but there is hope through that film. You know what I'm saying? Like when the movie ends, you feel hopeful, right? Hopeful. And then when you know like the who he plays in the film, like um that he, you know, went on and he's, you know, doing fine and and uh he's just a, this 
great person. And I love the story of how he wasn't a hero. Like, I mean, like going, he was the most unlikely hero. He was like a, a company man, not someone that you would think would stand up, you know, in that kind of time. But, you know, it's it's funny how when you go through these these uh, traumatic moments in your life, how some people become heroes and some people become things that you would never thought. And other people you thought was going to be the the heroic person, they run and hide. So uh, so that's a great movie, um, um, Hotel Rwanda. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Yes, it, it's sad, but it's actually upbeat and hopeful as well. And Don Cheadle, I think this was probably, that was the movie where, like Don Cheadle was always like a really great actor, but I think that was the movie where people said, okay, no, he, he really, 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 really is, up, you know, that top tier uh, actor. So Hotel Rwanda is my number five. So uh, Grayson, uh, what is your number five? Well, it's like, a, 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 you know, I just saw it and it just made me absolutely buckety and I had to give it uh, its kudos where it's due, The Art of Racing in the Rain. That movie, it, it's if you haven't seen it in the theaters, still, uh, I believe it's still in the theaters for a little while longer and well worth the see. It's like listening to the and also the fact that it's not only International Dog Day also helped that. But the fact that it's the story itself is just amazing. It's a touching story. And for those who are going to go see it, I really don't want to spoil it for you. But be prepared to have hankies. Lots and lots and lots of hankies. Wow. And that was yesterday, International Dog Day. But uh, yeah, I've, I've seen the uh, promos and stuff for it uh, with uh, Milo uh, from This Is Us. So he loves to make us cry. What is up with that? Uh, ever since Heroes and This Is Us and now uh, this film, uh, he like the Art of Racing, racing the Rain. The rain. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, and Amanda Seyfried did a fantastic job I like her, in yeah. that movie. Yeah, she's a good actress. She's become a good actress. Uh, Jen, what is your number five? My number five is Grave of the Fireflies. Um, it's animated. Um, uh, have you guys ever seen it? Nobody? It's part of the Princess Minoku um, series. It's, uh, so great. Hmm, boy, how do you describe Grave of the Fireflies? What's a good way to describe it? Um, so, okay, so it's, it's dystopian, first of all. Um, it's uh, Takahata is the director. Um, and it's it's unlike anything that I had ever seen before. At the time that this came out, um, I had a uh, a kid who was really into anime, and we watched everything anime together. And this one came up at uh, a convention that we went to, and we watched it in a screening room, and it. Oh my! I mean, it's not. It's it's crazy because it's sad, and and there's no way around that. I mean, anybody who's ever seen it will tell you that it is just absolutely enormous in terms of its emotional impact. But it's also the kind of movie that I feel like by the time that you are a teenager, you should really see because the lessons of what war really does are so profound. It does not set out to say that there are winners 
or losers or whatever, it sets out to say, this is going to be bad. And, and it, and I, I, it's hard to describe because, you know, sometimes things can get really uh, preachy inside of these tearjerker movies where, you know, it feels like they're trying to teach us huge moral lessons and that's sort of what drives the sadness. And, and to some degree, you know, I, I can see that that is kind of an overarching theme for a bunch of them, but this movie, I, I feel like it doesn't really set out to teach us a story. It, it sets out to narrate uh, what it is that there can be when everything around you is terrible. It's, it's honestly, it's hard to watch more than once, but it is well worth watching once. Oh, wow. And it's animated film. So, oh, and, it's wow. anima and it's beautifully animated. Absolutely gorgeous. Oh, all right. All right. You gotta, um, and, and when it's over, can you guys send me your list um, in like Facebook Messenger so then I can add that into the show notes? Um, all right. So, number four, I'll start off with number four. My number four is the film that came out in, two, six, uh, in 2016, not the 19, um, I think it was. 12 or 25, I can't remember, uh, Birth of a Nation. And this film was directed and written by and starred uh, uh, Nate Parker. And it tells the story of Nat Turner. Nat Turner was a, uh, was a preacher who led a rebellion in, uh, during slavery. And if you are, sorry about that. If you are, um, aware of this story um you know it, it was one of those movies or it was one of those stories that that you know hollywood that never would touch right and nate parker went through a lot to get that film made and unfortunately uh he might have lost his career be because of it but uh um sorry about that um but that film is so powerful, very moving, and uh, Nate Parker's performance is great. The film is awesome. And uh, of course, the, the ending, um, which I don't want to ruin, is very sad and uh, very moving. But uh, uh, Birth of a Nation, great film. Number four. All right, so let's go to, uh, let's go to um, Jen. Which, what is your number three? Uh, wait, 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 wait no. did I give everybody four? No, you didn't give everybody four. I'm sorry, nope. I started it off. Yeah, yeah, we're still on four. four? Uh, my number four is, <laughs> God, it makes me actually not even want to say it, but my number four is Legends of the Fall. <laughs> I'm, I, I know everybody has seen Legends of the Fall. Yes. And I don't know how you cannot cry at least once in that movie. I mean, there's so many awesome times to cry, but I don't. You can, how can you possibly watch Brad Pitt cradle? Yeah, I just yeah, no, I can't even do it. Um, I I do love this movie though, and I I will. This is one of the few movies that makes me cry every time, and I will keep watching it over and over again because it's just so moving. There's so much emotion. There's so much depth, and I love Anthony Hopkins in this movie. I, I just, there's something so vibrant about how that whole family dynamic comes together, falls apart, gets 
shredded to pieces and yet there's just this so much humanity underneath it anyway yeah that's my that is definitely uh, it's on my big list that was once again we have this theme that was like the movie that brad pitt really came into his own in and then following it up with uh interview with a vampire right but that was like kind of the movie that started his oh he's brad pitt you know um, kind of broke him out yeah, because you know he had been in Thelma and Louise and and uh, was it True Romance and some other things, but this was like his kind of standout, big standout thing. So, so uh, yeah, Legends of the Fall—that's a good one. Um, uh, Grayson, I you know what? It's like I debated between two of them. It's like one movie that I really didn't like, but it does make me weep the one time I did see it, and it also tested my my puking reflex as well, but. That's besides the point. And the one that I settled on, which was Terms of Endearment, which I really loved. Shirley MacLaine. Wow. What a performance. Yeah, and they made a sequel, too. <laughs> Did they? Yeah, there was a sequel. Yes. Oh, wow. I didn't know about that. Yeah. yeah. Evening I, Star. I, I love Jack Nicholson in that role as being sort of... Uh, he's, yeah. he's, he's not quite a jerk, but he's really close to it. You know, they say that a lot about me, too. So, <laughs> You know, and then their whole, uh, that whole, like, yeah. Sister, yeah. Yeah, Other it's sister, like. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, terms of um, yeah. What about you, Josh? What's your number four? Uh, my number four, again, might be coming from a different direction than a lot of people, but uh, this one stars Jim Carrey, believe it or not. And uh, Kate Winslet, it's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, oh great movie. That's a great movie, yeah. It is a great movie. And I'm, I'm sure we've all been in one of those relationships where you wanted it so bad, but it just wasn't good, you know? And huh. just that story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Currently, right now, I want to erase somebody out of my head, but that's the have that ability point. to erase those memories. But then while it's happening you're actually you know going through the memories and trying to save what you can god that it, that is such uh, an emotional journey that you can't help but uh feel a little uh choked up uh as as these pivotal emotional moments keep playing out um for for this one particular person and you know through the twists and turns and Elijah Wood being a creepy little bastard. It's <laughs> still uh, it's I mean it's a great movie and it's it's I think deserving of being my number four. Yeah, no, that's good. I definitely agree with that. What about you, Jane? Number four. Uh, I did number four. I'm sorry, uh, number three. Okay. Number three for me is a movie called Life is Beautiful. Mm, okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, you saw mm -hmm. that? Mm-hmm. Uh, this, yeah. this movie has a, a really a, a strong place in my uh, in my psyche. Um, I saw it. Um, I saw it years after it actually came out, and it and it well, obviously years after it came out, um, and it was the the sort of movie that leads you to appreciate the fact that even though things are even though a subject a lot like graves of the or grave of the fireflies um even though things are terrible that there is still so much hope in humanity in the world that 
that that there is that there's always something to sort of be engaged with. Um, I, it, it's weird because I almost felt guilty for putting this on my list since it doesn't feel like a standard uh, Holocaust movie. It feels like there, like the, I mean, there are really moments of awesomeness that that don't feel totally terrible. And I, I get, I feel so conditioned sometimes to some of my sad movies if they don't make me feel super sad all the way through that somehow that makes them less than uh, what maybe maybe what they should be. But this movie, there were so many. It was almost like it was separated into multiple acts where things are okay, things are transitioning, and then things are absolutely terrible. And that journey is just so incredible that. You just feel every range of emotion through it. Oh, wow. I really love yeah. that. No, that was a, was a good movie. Very good movie. I've seen it. Yeah. Did it make uh, you cry? Uh, no, I didn't cry, but uh, definitely <laughs> did one of those. Oh, you know, okay. All right. I was, like, I was like, oh, no, there's something uh, in my nose. <laughs> yeah. One of those things. I'm not crying. No, nah, no. Nah, yeah. No, nah, I'm too gangster for that. Uh, what about you, Grayson? What's number three on your list? Number three for me had to. It's like it's another one that's a classic though for me is Old Yeller. I can't watch that movie straight on through because I'm sorry, knowing that they kill the dog and and also the fact that. Oh my god! If you don't know that they kill Old Yeller, I I feel like you should be. Yeah, you must be from another planet. You must be Old Yeller. Yeah, it's like the whole thing. It's like all of the versions that I've seen of the movie. And I still don't get over it every single time. Every it's like, and I'm just like sitting there going, like I feel, so, and I'm sitting there going, there's just so many more answers. Why <laughs> kill the dog? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, it's like it, it, it's just one of those movies that you, that, like I said, if you don't cry, you're kind of made of stone uh, when you yeah. see it. I might be made of stone. No, just playing. Uh, <laughs> no, no, Old Yeller is a good one. Um, my number three could have been my number one. And this one kind of ties back to Malcolm X in this regard. Uh, once once again, it stars Denzel Washington. Um, uh, is the movie Antoine Fisher. Antoine Fisher was, uh, you know, directed by uh, Denzel Washington. And it was Derek Luke's first film. And that movie is so good and it's so sad and, but it's uplifting as well. Um, that's another movie where, you know, this was near the end of my father's life before like he, my father had dementia and this is right before dementia really messed with him. So he could actually comprehend watching the movie. Oh, and wow. we watched, we, it was a bunch of family. We were watching it and, um, and like, this scene, this scene got me so much. So I don't know if you've ever seen Antoine Fisher, but he's like in search of his mother and he finally meets his mother. And, and he, well, he's in search of his family, period. You know, uh, he had a very tough upbringing and foster and he was molested and all of this stuff. And he meets this woman uh and who goes on to be his lady and who helps him through all of it and they go and meet his like they meet some cousins of his or a family i can't remember it was an aunt or something no they meet an aunt or something 
and she tells him where his mother is and he goes to meet his mother and it's like all this build up to him meeting his mother and she is not is she's not what he thought she would be she's like a drug addict and it's really sad that he has this horrible experience finally meeting his birth mother right and goes back to the aunt's mm-hmm. house just to tell her thank you you know for the information and what she does is she has this impromptu gathering of all this family that he didn't know he had and they were and like they had like they threw a party for him and that scene is so emotional because you go from this really sad thing where he meets his mother finally and the whole movie's building up to it to this wonderful scene where he meets all this new family and that's another one where I look over at my pops and my father was had tears from his eyes. Uh, I had cousins in there that were bawling. It's just, it's such a, it's, and it's not one of those, it's a sad scene. I mean, it's sad, the mother, but it's so going from that sad to an uplifting, you know, like one of those, oh, like, oh, that is so cool, you know, that they did it. It's so good. And And one thing I love about that message in the movie is that, that, you know, like you can fall in love with somebody and they can help you through your, you know, through your baggage or your darkness, darkest times. And, you know, um, and it's just a great love story. It's a, it's a really good movie, Antoine Fisher. Uh, and it's, you know, like I said, I, I might've been the only person that didn't cry, cry, but I ain't going to lie. I think watching other people start bawling kind of made me get a little, uh yeah see she's crying see, she, see danny knows what the scene i'm talking about it was hard like it was hard i i, I kind of did one of those <laughs> you know like you know because it was uh it was a moving scene but like i said every, anytime i've ever seen my dad cry it definitely hit me because my dad's like the strongest person i know and you know so uh antoine fisher is my number three um so josh you're what's your number three my number three my number three is one that I'm surprised I have not heard yet, to mm. be perfectly honest. Because Papa. When I <laughs> when I think of this movie, I think this is probably has one of the most heart wrenching moments in any animated film ever. Oh up. That's a good Good choice. It, it could be on any honorable mentions list. But I'm talking Toy Story three. Oh, okay. The specifically, do uh, you know the scene? You know what? You're gonna shoot me, and D already knows what I'm about to say. Don't say it. I've never seen a Toy Story. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. I've never seen a Shrek or a Toy Story in my life. Well, Shrek, you can get a pass on, but Toy Story. I've never seen them. Some of the greatest movies ever made. Well, I can binge watch now. <laughs> yeah. When it comes yeah, out on, when four comes out on video, I, I me and wow. me and D, we're gonna binge watch them together. But everybody, okay, okay, I won't spoil it for you, Kente, but everybody else that's seen it knows exactly <laughs> the scene I'm talking about. Mm. And, yeah, the music yeah, the uh-huh. movie didn't help either. The, it, it was so emotional and so <laughs> God that, I mean, wow. And then just the fact that the whole, um, the whole story is basically uh, growing up and, and moving past childish things and 
you know, wondering as a toy, what's going to happen to you? Mm. You know, as Andy, you know, got ready for college and the toys were like, what's going to happen to us? It's it, and, it's the Velveteen Rabbit on a kind of narrative steroid. Yeah. Yeah, you can say that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Toy Story 3 is my number three. All right, all right. No Popeye. Okay. <laughs> With Robin Williams. There's still two left. <laughs> oh, two, two left. <laughs> Hilarious. All right. So everybody got in there number three, right? Yep. So um, let's go to Grayson for her number two. It has to be the uh, the one that it's like, it makes me fall every single time that I do it. I have to call all my friends at the end of it. And it's like, I'm sitting on the phone going, I love you, man. I, don't ever leave me. And if you ever do, I'm not raising your kid. I'm sorry. They can't come live with me. <laughs> it's oh, the beach. movie Beaches. <laughs> I love that movie. I defy anybody who doesn't have a best friend or a close relationship with anybody to be, again, you would have to be a heart of stone you not know, to love Beaches. And the whole entire story. I've, I've never seen Beaches. You've never seen Beaches? Really? Oh my god. That's heathenous. I've seen Beaches and yeah. I'm well, gonna have to throw my either. So yeah, um the Really? Wow. Uh, I, and I remember the soundtrack was like really big too when it, it was like one of those big blockbuster soundtracks. Uh-huh. Wing beneath my wings. Yeah. And uh yeah, it was like yeah, some, yeah, it was some yeah. some big ones in there. All right. Uh Jen, what's yes. your number two? Oh, God. Okay, so this movie I watched once. I went to the theater and saw it, and I refused to watch it ever again. Even even just the mention of it actually makes me um, want to run out of the room and, and not participate in life for a while. Human centipede. Um, that for a very different reason, yes, <laughs> actually. Yeah. One, two, and three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not that I've seen them all, but yeah, yeah, no. Um, Marley and me. Oh, the dog movie. Yeah, there's a lot of dog movies on there. You guys list. Okay. I, 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 I just, uh, you know, and it's funny because I was thinking about all the other stuff that we were talking about and why it is actually so sad. Because right. for most of the movie, it's really not. For most of the movie, it's it is an amazing movie. It's 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 one of the few movies that. I remember getting so sucked into that I didn't even really realize that I was in the movie theater. It was really cool. I'm so seldom transported out of time and space that way because I look at movies very critically. Um, and, And I think that the range of human emotion, again, was part of the reason that it hit me so hard at the end. Like, you know what's coming. You know it. And despite the fact that you know what's coming, there was not a single person in that entire theater that wasn't crying. I mean, and it's just in a strange way that was actually really for validating, but Mm. another way it was, (laughs) I couldn't handle it. Then that movie had the nerve to come out on Christmas. (laughs) Uh, Right. I mean, it was terrible. That that whole thing was just, wow. And I, I remember we were all asking each other after the movie, Oh, do you guys want to go out and, you know, get some like ice cream or something? And we were all like, 
no. Everybody's going <laughs> to go and cry. <laughs> so what was more moving, Marley and me or Turner and Hooch? Oh, good Lord. You don't have to ask that. <laughs> she... Turner and Hooch. <laughs> K-9. Uh, K-9 was a good movie. Okay. I like yeah, that. that was a good, but it yeah. wasn't sad. No, it wasn't sad at all. All right. What's your number two, Joshua? My number two. Uh, um, it's Ghost. Oh, That's yeah. Debbie Warm. Yeah. Ghost. I, I can't really explain why it affected me so much as a kid when I saw it the first time. But from the moment I watched it till this day, it has made me like really uh, freak out about the idea of death. So uh, it, it was definitely an emotional roller coaster. And the final shot of, uh, you know, Patrick Swayze um, being ushered in, it's like, did that really happen like that? Man? Probably. You know who Probably directed? You guys know who directed Ghost? The same clown that did Police Academy nope. and Airplane. Those guys did that Ghost. Can you believe it? The Zucker. Jerry Zucker. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah, and they did a great job uh, with Ghost. But I, I got a little service announcement. Um, any woman I'm dating. Or being married, I get married to. Mm-hmm. Once me or you die, that's it. I don't want to see you, and I don't want to see you coming back as no ghost. <laughs> We're not doing pottery together, you know, or none of that. It's like once I go or she go, it's it. No, no, none of that. That's not sexy. Don't be coming back afterwards and wanting to hang out. Once you did, it's over. So I just want to put that out there. And don't come back as Whoopi Goldberg. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not that either. Hey, Bobby, Bobby D and Danny in the chat room. All right. My number two is a sad ass movie. Uh, it stars Idris Elba. It's, it was a Netflix original. And Thor? It's called, <laughs> no, it's not Thor. Uh, it's called Beast of No Nation. That movie. Oh, man. That oh, my God. Yeah, that made me sob. That movie was, I mean, like, look, just even thinking about that movie, like, that could have easily been my number one. Like, my number, my one, two, and three easily could have been number one. Yeah. And that movie, I loved it. I don't think I could ever watch it again. You know, you know, it deals with the, uh, in Africa, the child uh, soldier. And, and uh, Idris Elba is fantastic in this film. And the kids in the movie, oh, my God, they're so amazing. This movie, and, th- and the guy that, that's directing it, Kerry uh, Fuganaga, I, I think that's how you say his name. He's going to direct the new James Bond movie, and he was uh, responsible for the first, uh, directing the first True Detective season, the, the one that everyone likes the best. Um, and he did this movie called... Um, um, Sinor- Sinorte, if you haven't seen it. Oh, great movie. It's all in Spanish. Uh, I think it was called Sinorte. It's all in Spanish. Um, but it's a sure. great movie. But anyway, going back to uh, Beast of No Nation, um, it's an important film. 
It's a terrific film, but it is Sin Nor Sin Nombre. That's it. Thank you, Sin Nombre. North Nor- I'm thinking El Norte, which was a great movie. Um, but yeah, Sin Nombre. Yeah, great movie. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Even though it's in Spanish, but it's uh, I'm not a big subtitle guy, but um, that's a great movie. And he's like he's hit 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 hit. All of Kerry Fukunaga's I know I'm probably butchering his name. Uh, all of his stuff is top notch stuff and beast of no nation um which was a very uh sad movie um you know is definitely you should check it out and translate to uh with no name yes yeah yeah great movies great movie all right so everybody put in their number two right all right yeah. so we're gonna start with ladies first and we're gonna start off with jen before you do your number one okay. just quickly just go over uh 10 through two okay uh so far i have uh les miserables the killing fields cargo from netflix days of heaven sounder grave of the fireflies legends of the fall life is beautiful and marley and me all right a couple of dog movies all right and my number one is seven pounds ah will smith yeah Yep, I cannot watch that movie without just dissolving into tears every single time. You know, the end is just as joyful, I think, as anything I've ever seen, but it is so painful to get there. And knowing how the layers on layers in that movie just got to me. It was so beautifully written. I know people have said, well, it's not, you know, it just isn't that great or what, but personally, it resonates with me, I think, on a level because... It is exactly the kind of empathic thing that the compassion is so over the top that it just, it it almost hits my nerves at full force and just absolutely makes me, like I said, dissolve. So yeah, that's my, that is my number one movie. And Will Smith does such an incredible job of being that role. It feels like it is just the role he was meant to play. Yeah, Will Smith. Unfortunately, he I think he picks badly sometimes. You know, and I think he picks he tries I think he picks movies that he thinks is going to be hits. And sometimes when he does movies like 7 Pounds or or um Pursuit of Happiness or something like that, like he really gets to show his real acting talent. Right. And, uh yeah, that that's definitely a good one. Yeah, 7 Pounds for sure. All right. So, uh, Grayson, if you can go back over 10 to 2 and then reveal your number one. Indeed. Number 10, Schindler's List. Number 9, Philadelphia. Number 8, Dying Young. Number 7, Steel Magnolias. Number 6, E.T. Number 5, The Art of Racing in the Rain. Number 4, Terms of Endearment. Number 3, Old Yeller. Number 2, Beaches. Which brings me to our number one film, mm. Sophie's Choice. Yes, classic. That movie, Meryl Streep, it's like the Kevin Klein, the whole movie. It just, it, it breaks my heart. And as a parent and anybody who's ever had to make, in terms of whether it's, ch- like, there isn't just words for that scene when she has to pick between her son and uh, her daughter. 
it, there's just no words and the whole story it's like the, it's just so beautifully done and so beautifully in, performed as you just sit there and go oh wow just there isn't enough wow in that whole entire yeah, I've time been in that situation before i had to pick between josh and jen and um of course i picked jen and uh <laughs> but uh you know uh definitely yeah uh, that's one of those classic films where it when you have to make a decision like that it becomes like you know it becomes like oh it's selfie choice right yeah well it, it was yeah. heart-wrenching uh, you know personally Sophie's choice is it, i think i almost blocked that movie out i, I mm. haven't thought about it for a really long time in fact this is the first time i think i've thought about it in a long time um but yeah, th that's one of those movies that is um it sort of epitomizes the positions that we hope that we will never be in and yet at the same time uh we sort of all i, I think it puts us in the position of what would we do in that position how would what what exactly would we do? And uh, it, it's so soul-wrenching, super soul-wrenching. Mm. Well, for some parents, though, it's an easy decision. Yeah. Like, like for like my mother, really? it was between me and my brother. I mean, she would totally pick my brother. So, <laughs> you know, like. Wow. Like, she like, yeah, you know, she just him. Like, Sorry, Kente. Uh, I feel obliged to say that whoever the kid is that's closest to me is the one that I would pick because they're kind of within striking distance. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well, in that case, I win that one then. <laughs> uh, well, actually, no, I take it back. It'd be my sister, Melanie, because my. my uh, so, yeah. No, I wouldn't win that. I, I would win it right now. <laughs> she, right leaves, now. she leaves next Tuesday back to Chicago. But. <laughs> But no, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. All right. So, um, uh, what is that? What is that's one of those, uh, those choices yeah. that she has to make. Is that like a dead animal? It's the child. Uh, yeah, so uh, he's being dad. Um, before we get to, I want to hit Josh to go next. So uh, let me ask this question and then welcome Dante into the chat room. Um, let me ask you this question, Jen. If you were locked up in a room and for a week you couldn't leave for whatever reason and you watched the 10 movies on your list. Oh, God. Uh, how much would that affect your mood, you think? Well, I I mean, I feel like it would probably strip away uh, pieces of my soul. I would mm. probably be just a shell of a human being by the time we were done. I don't think I could watch all of these movies all at one time. I just I don't think I could do it. I, I'm honestly. Yeah, I, I don't. I couldn't do my list either. I'd no. hop into a coma and just sort of like you know try to ride it out. <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple of the, my movies on my list. I I don't get it. I couldn't watch again. So yeah. I, I just saw Les Miserables on TV uh, just like a week or so ago, and I, it was just like I had never seen it before. I mean, I know what's going to happen. I'm not, you know, this is no big surprise. And I still couldn't control the just the flood of of emotion that comes out after that. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, now, Josh, before we, before we have you recap your list and do your number one, 
was that a dead something dead or something that she had in her hand? Um, uh, a couple days ago, uh, my girl's got a got a kitten. Oh, from the dead kitten. Uh, apparently, Apex had had just uh, had just passed. Oh. He was he was sick, very sick. Oh, I had kittens just the other day too. So, uh, um, are they okay, the kids? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't completely unexpected or anything. It just, you know. Yeah. Um, are you gonna get them something to replace it, like jet skis? Uh, Can you replace a child with another no, child? It's a dead kid. Quite so. Casting directors do it all the time. <laughs> wow, Josh. That was wow. That was good. That was good. Crazy yeah. real right there. Crazy real. So yeah, just get them some jet skis. They'll be fine. Jet skis. <laughs> uh, how old was how was the daughter that was just there? Ten. Oh, that's jet ski age. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, definitely. All right. So let's recap your list and let me get your number one. Um okay. Uh mine number ten. Uh my girl. Number nine, P.S. I love you. Number eight, kick ass. Number seven, what dreams may come. Number six, of mice and men. Number five, AI. Number four, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Number three, Toy Story 3. Number two, ghost. And uh, and number one, uh Arguably, but in my mind, the saddest movie I've ever seen in my life. The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Mm, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. God, that ending just... It will screw you up forever. Right. Uh, and, and it had uh, you know a lot to do with things we talked about earlier. You know, when things happen to kids and, and uh, the, the Holocaust. And, and, and when you put all this stuff together, it's like... Dear Lord, how could anybody make this? It, it will leave you bawling. Right. Um, I know it, it's not exactly a, a big hit, not exactly you know widespread. Uh, uh, not, not a whole lot of people know about it. You know, it's it's got its following. People people know about it, but it's not you know a mainstream thing. Um, so I'm not going to spoil it, but. Essentially, it's about a um, – h- how do you put this? A a young German boy befriends a, a Jewish boy through the fence of a concentration camp. And they become friends. And, well, if you know anything about history, uh, things don't end up so well. And then I'll leave it at that. But yeah, it's 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 the saddest thing I've ever watched in my life, you know. And and I, it well well deserves my number one spot. Yeah, very sad, extremely sad movie. Yeah. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, and uh, so let me go over my list. Um, number ten was The Elephant Man. Number nine was Million Dollar Baby. Number eight was Philadelphia. Seven, The Green Mile. Six, Malcolm X. Five, Hotel Rwanda. Four, Birth of a Nation. Three, Antoine Fisher. Two, Beast of No Nation. And my number one 
film, which, you know, one through three to me are, is interchangeable, is uh, Fruitvale Station. Um, Fruitvale Station was is the movie. It was Ryan Coogler, the guy who directed Black Panther's first film uh, out of USC, and um, it starred Michael B. Jordan. It was really the film. I would I would say that people really took a notice to Michael B. Jordan as a leading man, and it tells the story of Oscar Grant, uh, a young black male who was um, murdered by the um, Oakland. Um, police and um, the movie is like if, if you because it was caught on video the, the what actually happened so I'd seen it before what happened but when you see that movie and the way that they tell the story and the way that everything leads up to what you know is going to happen and mm-hmm. that movie like, you know, like I said, I chew glass. I'm a tough guy. But when I saw Fruitville Station, man, like I, I damn, I damn near want to get emotional right now thinking about Fruitville Station. Like it is, um, you know, it's a great movie and it's it's very um, entertaining and all of that. And like I said, Michael B. Jordan is outstanding in the film and everybody just kills it. But like that movie is like so moving and so powerful and uh, you know like mm-hmm. i said i'm getting emotional thinking about the film right now um because you know that story um is an emotional story as well yeah senseless death did not need to happen so um yeah that that movie fruitville station and i remember five minutes into the film turning to somebody and saying like this Ryan Googler guy is going to be great. Like they'll tell you, yeah, what the beautiful person. Yeah. Dying. Yeah. So that movie Fruitvale station is my number one, uh, tearjerker. Um, it's a, you know, it's a terrific film if you haven't seen it. And, um, the great thing was you, you really see Michael B. Jordan really coming to his own as an actor. And uh, really giving that great leading man performance. And, you know, if you watch that movie and mm-hmm. you're not emotionally caught it up with it, I don't know, man. You are a robot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're a robot. So, but um, yeah, Fruitvale Station. Um, and um, so that is, uh, that's all my list. Uh, I guess something's going on with Josh. Um, so let's start off with you, Grace, and how can people get you in social media and all that good stuff? Well, we can stop me in social media on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Bizipedia, on uh, most social no- uh, networks. Yes, I do have a Twitter account. However, it's like I rarely check it, but hey, try me up in error anyways. Also, you can go on uh, www.pastlivesproductionsinc.com as well as also uh, you can go on the What Did She Say page on Facebook, as uh, we'll be starting also hopefully soon uh, with our edit uh, world and movie time, as soon as Adobe stops being such a butthead and uh, actually goes back to a real system instead of a subscription system. Otherwise, we'll be searching for software, so I'm Mm -hmm. looking for suggestions from people who have better software that would love to... Windows Movie Makers. Huh? Is it, is it professional quality? Uh, you, you could be the judge of that. 
Exactly. I'm not, I'm not editing my home videos here. I mean, I'm minute. editing movie Jen, Jen is professional. <laughs> Use what? Windows Movie Maker and MS Paint, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Definitely no, no. not. No. no. But nice try. It's like I'm going to be trying the Da Vinci's Resolve to see what that looks like. But the point is, is that it's like I'm very well known on the web. And if you can't find me, then you're just not stalking right, me hard enough. You. Thank you for for uh, coming through. And your birthday is uh, August the 29th in two days from now. (laughs) Happy birthday. Uh, Jen, how can we get you on social media and all that good stuff? Social media, you can find me at Following Bliss on Twitter. And you can check out my websites at criticallaughs.com and moviesmakethemeal.com. And just so you know, uh, I actually use uh, OpenShot a lot for my video editor. Not often, but when I need something quick and yeah, that's sort of what I go to. Otherwise, I'm using After Effects too. Yeah. All right, and you can get me at Kente F on Twitter and Kente Ferguson at uh, Instagram. And also you can go to our website, IndieRadio.org. That's, I. <coughs> excuse me, indyradio.org. Uh, this week is the spotlight week. We have five straight shows of spotlight. Uh, we just finished number two. Uh, tomorrow night we'll be uh, joined by actress Avita Gafare, and I'm looking forward to chopping it up with her. Uh, and that should be really good. And um, also on Thursday, um, we have uh, another interview coming up. Katie uh, Wallen. And on Friday, we're going to be, uh, Cher is going to join us, um, and we're going to be talking about the new fall lineup uh, television. So pretty cool stuff. So uh, with that said, you guys have a beautiful rest of your week. God bless you, and uh, we'll catch you next time right here. And see you at the movies.